God is good. And uh, I know one thing you don't like to hear when a preacher gets up and he says, uh, Today I'm going to preach on one of your topics. It's not your favorite topic. And it's not given, okay? It's not given. But it is something that runs all through the scriptures. Uh, something I just really felt I needed to speak on today. And it is suffering. Christians and suffering. Uh, you know, it, it's just a fact uh, that we who are the children of God, we need to know how to live our life uh, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardships. Uh, I wish I could tell you this morning that when you become a child of God, that a little bubble is put over you and uh, you are protected from all the harms of the world and uh, all that. And I'm thankful that God is my refuge and he is my fortress and he is my rock. Uh, yet God in his wisdom, just as you know with Job, God in his wisdom, uh, sometimes he allows things to come into our life that we wish were not in our life. We didn't pray for them. We didn't seek them. They're just there. And uh, I would encourage you today to not have a martyr complex. Don't go out here and say, well, that's pretty good stuff about suffering. I, I think I'll just go see if I can get in on that. Don't do that. Okay? <laughs> it's, not, it's not the purpose of us getting together today. But our, t our text is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Uh, in no way am I going to give you a complete doctrine doctrinal essay on suffering in the scriptures because as I said it's in the scriptures so much but hopefully by the grace of God we can get some answers to some questions in these verses here that might help us now or in the future when we begin to deal with these issues I do want to say one word of caution when we get started here uh, it's simply this, when, when we go into scripture like this, if we're not careful, it's very easy to allow our experiences in life to interpret the scripture, you know, to make the scripture say what we want it to say because that's just our experience or that's what we wish our experience was. And we should never do that with any scripture. We should, we should never interpret scripture by our experience, but we should always allow scripture to interpret our experiences in life, what's going on in our life, if we want to live our life in a way which is going to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. And I know that that's your desire, or you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning uh, at this time and, and planning to stay till one. Uh, I know that you wouldn't do that. So anyway, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but uh, let's, let's look at scriptures before I stick my foot over my mouth. Okay? We're going to start at verse... Uh, 12 of chapter 4. I'm reading out of ESV. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. 
For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is right, scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's bow together. Lord, it's good to be here today. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship in song. Lord, uh, just to be reminded of your grace and your mercy, your greatness. Lord, the opportunity to open your word together and, and to look into it and have your spirit guide us and direct us. To teach us these truths, Lord, so that whether we're in good times or difficult times, that you might so live your life through us that you're honored and you're glorified. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear today, heart to respond to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, I, I just want to share a few things here out of our text, these verses about how you and I should face suffering in our life. And as I've already said, suffering is not something that uh, we desire, that we pursue. It's not that we should have a martyr complex that if we see an opportunity to go inject ourselves into something, we're going to get shot or stabbed. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm just talking about what the scriptures are teaching us here today about God's children and suffering and how you and I, and we do fit into this text. I'll show you in a minute how we fit in because sometimes people say, oh, no, that's not American Christians, you know. We don't suffer like that. I'll show you in a minute here, okay? So you hang with me. This text applies to us. So I, I want to show you some ways here that you and I can stand up, can face up by the grace of God in times of suffering. I want you to notice right off the bat, the very first word he uses there is beloved. So he's telling us something in that one word. What he's telling us, one, is he is talking to Christians, okay? He's, he's not talking to those folks that's outside of the body of Christ. He's talking here to believers. And what he is saying to these believers in this text is, guess what? You're going to have fiery trials in your life. And even later he says, and there's going to be suffering in your life. And this is very important as he writes this church because this is the dispersed people of God. If you'd go back to the very beginning of the book, these are people who have been dispersed from their homelands and stuff because of their faith. So in a lot of ways, they have already been persecuted, been tested in those ways. But what's interesting to me about this is these are Gentiles. Jewish believers are used to being persecuted for their faith. This is something new for Gentile believers. All of a sudden, the Gentile believers are having blame laid on them for doing things they didn't do. All of a sudden, they have been uh, had to pick up, leave their homes, leave their jobs, leave their families. They've been dispersed, and simply because... They have determined by the grace of God to become a Christ follower, to become a child of God, to walk after Jesus. And because of that, suffering has come into their life. So the first thing I want to say to us today is very simple truth. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when suffering comes into your life. Don't, don't be astonished uh, because, dear brothers and sisters, being a believer does not exempt us from suffering. 
And if you have not, and I'm not wishing this upon you, but if you have not suffered in some way in your life, probably someday you will. Okay? And he calls this suffering, he starts out with this suffering, calling it fiery trials to test you. Now, fire here really is to be taken in a figurative sense. It's not to be taken literal, although the recipients of this letter, determining by where you date this, they were already severe persecution, or just in a very short time, they were going to have severe persecution. And part of their persecution was being having pitch put all over them, tied to a pose, lit, and put in the garden of the Nero, and they were the light for the garden parties of the Nero. So when he's writing to these people, that word fiery, it was really literal to a lot of them. To you and I today, more than likely, we need to take that figurative. You have to forgive me here for me. I, got, I can't be affording to lose many more hairs. And I got one coming out there. So, but anyway, anyway, that a real serious point here, and I'm laughing. But anyway, this is serious. But anyway... This is serious because uh, they were going through some very serious times. You and I, we probably will not go through situations like that. Now, there are people who are saying that uh, in the future that God's people here in America are going to go through some intense suffering. I don't know that. I'm not a prophet in that sense. It may be very likely because we see the direction in which our nation is turning in so many ways. But what I am saying is Peter is telling us, listen, don't think because you are a child of God that you are ever going to go through a hardship or you're never going to go through a hardship in life. And some of you are thinking, I hope not, some of you are thinking right now, well, Pastor, I don't think I'll ever go through anything like a fiery trial like this. Well, can I point out to you here just in, in uh, one verse where he calls insults? See that? Insults, if you're insulted for the name of Christ. He's talking now not just intense suffering like the recipients. He's talking to Christians calling fiery trials when somebody insults you. When, when someone speaks verbally against you, when they gossip about you, when they slander you. He's saying, listen, this is one of these trials that I'm talking about. So yes, this text does apply to those of us who are believers sitting in this sanctuary today. We will have hardships in life, whether it be from someone attacking us verbally, whether it be physical, emotionally, spiritually. We are going to have to deal with issues in life that we wish we didn't have to deal with. But we need to be able to deal with them in a way that honors God. So he tells us right off the bat, listen, these are going to test you. Now, you and I both know that God does not allow tests in our life so God can see what we're going to do. God knows what our reaction is going to be to every circumstance in life. We are tested so you and I can see how we respond to tests in our life. And what's interesting, he used this same picture over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And Kenny, I'm not going to read these verses just for time's sake, but... He talks over there about the smelter and how the test of faith to see how our faith is genuine. Now that is such a neat picture. Probably many of you have heard this. But the smelter would take that gold. He'd put it in a big old pot or whatever and put the flames to it. And he would stir it and he would scrape 
the impurities off the top of that gold. Do you know how he knew when the gold was pure? Probably some of you do. When he could look into the gold and see a reflection of himself. That is what Christ wants for us. Christ allows us to go through tests so that he can look into our life, see our faith is genuine, it is pure, and he can see a reflection of himself. Now don't take that wrong. We are never going to be perfect in this life. But that is the purpose of testing. Now, to strengthen this point about don't be surprised, he said as though something strange happened to you. It's like this. He's saying, Ed, why would you think it's strange if you had a hardship in life? Peggy, why, why would you think it's strange? And, and he says that because he's kind of making this point. He's saying to us, listen, God is still in control. God is still sovereign. Do, do you think that uh, Satan has taken over and, and Satan is running roughshod over the people of God? And we might say, well, listen, in Job, it was Satan. But everything Satan did to Job went through the hands of God's grace. See, we, sh we shouldn't think it's strange when we enter into times like this. That's one reason. Another reason is because since the fall of man, there has been brokenness in our world. Since the fall of man, when sin came in, the experience of mankind has been brokenness. Broken emotionally, broken relationships, broken physically, broken spiritually. A brokenness that has entered into our lives because of sin. Now I'm not saying that our personal sin causes our hardship. So please don't take me wrong on this. But all hardships, all suffering, all sin has its root clear back into the fall of man when the curse was placed on the world and suffering and pain was a part of our life. I would say this about it's not strange. Uh, we would say, why me? Well, dear brothers and sisters, we're not the first, we're not the only, and we're not the last ones who's going to suffer as God's children. You could go back and read Hebrews chapter 11. That is that great faith chapter. Uh, Daniel read about Samson in there last week. You read through that great faith chapter, and you come to about five verses right down at the bottom, not the last two, but the five above that, and it says, these people were sawn in two, these people wandered the earth as though they did not have a home. These people lived in caves. It just goes on and on about the suffering of these people who were great people of faith. Fox's Book of Martyrs, to bring it a little closer. We read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and we see our church forefathers who were burned at the stake, who were drowned simply because of their faith. And you can just bring it up as close as you want to. In the 20th century, there have been more people who have been martyred for their faith than in all the centuries before that added together. Suffering is just a part of being a child of God. And like I said, I wish I would, could say to you this morning, Hey, come up here and accept Jesus. Get the good life. And it is a good life, but it's not absent of suffering. We have a suffering Savior, and part of our experience as the children of God, through the hands of God's grace, dear brothers and sisters, we do have to deal with suffering. So he said, don't be surprised. Now verses 13 and 14, he gives us another point here. 
And, and this one maybe is one of those that's kind of hard to swallow some, especially if you're right in the middle of something. And it is rejoice and be glad you are blessed. Now, doesn't that just kind of sound different? Doesn't it? When you suffer and when you're slandered, hey, rejoice and be glad. You are blessed. You know, if we're not careful, we can allow our suffering to get us into a point where all we see is the bad. And we miss what God is up to. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians. And, and like I said, I'm not going to read these, so if you like to write down verses and go home and read them. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10. He laid all this thing out about his life and about his ministry. And then in verse 10, he said, Sorrowful, yet rejoicing. See, we here, the children of God, God is so intertwined in our life with His grace and with His mercy that as we walk with Him in the fullness of His Spirit, He equips us and enables us that in the midst of suffering, we can be people who rejoice. Now, I want you to notice something. If you've got your, your Bible open in verses 13 and 14 there, two times we are told to rejoice. But then He didn't quit there. Then He used two synonyms that talk about rejoicing. He used the word glad and blessed. So four times there in those verses, Peter, inspired by the Spirit of God, is telling these people, listen, rejoice and rejoice, be glad and be blessed in your suffering. Not for your suffering, but in your suffering. Now you're probably thinking that, that this really sounds different Pastor, you're, you're kind of nuts, but hey, it's so clear. How can you not say anything else here? And he gives us three reasons about why you and I can be glad, rejoice, because we're blessed. The first one, he says we can share, we share Christ's suffering. Now, that does not mean that the suffering of Christ was insufficient to redeem those whom he came to redeem. Peter dealt with that several times here in his scriptures. Uh, it doesn't mean that our suffering in some way makes atonement. Uh, for ourselves, that if I just suffer enough, then surely I will go to heaven or I can suffer enough for my family. So it's nothing about through my suffering that I am fulfilling atonement in some way. But I do think that we share in the suffering of Christ when we suffer on the behalf of the gospel. And you do not have to leave America to suffer on the behalf of of the gospel. And dear brothers and sisters, I believe it is when we suffer because we have determined by the grace of God and with his mercy, we are going to follow him. We are going to deny ourselves. We are going to take up our cross. And regardless of what, we are going to follow Jesus. And the third thing I might say about that, I believe when we suffer in such a way that it is a witness to Christ's suffering, we are sharing in the suffering of Jesus Christ. I really believe with all my heart that when we share in the sufferings of Christ, it increases the sweetness of our fellowship with Jesus. I really believe that. 
That when we go through times of difficulty and we go through times of, of hardships and suffering, sometimes because we are a child of God and, and someone is backbiting and accusing us of false things and all that junk, and, and you know it does hurt most people. It hurts us when people do that. But when we suffer in such a way that it brings honor and glory to God, there is just something in those times about the presence of God being with us. Bonnie shared a really good example I didn't hear what was going on with your mom, but when you was in the room there and the Spirit of God rested upon you, I, I mean, that's, that is a good example about how when we go through difficult times, there is just a sweetness of fellowship with Jesus that we do not experience sometimes when all is going well. Uh, you may recall a few weeks back, I'm not sure exactly when it was, Pastor Jason talked about uh, our potential being increased uh, to enjoy heaven. And that's kind of what Peter is talking about here. And in the middle part of verse 13 there where he says, Rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Some way, uh, in God's economy, our suffering increases our rejoicing when Jesus comes back. Now, you know, I, I thought about that and I've tried to work that through my brain and, and pray through that. But, you know, Peter used two verbs here to stress the fact that when we suffer and Jesus comes back, our joy will be doubled. We will be glad and we will rejoice. So how is that possible? Well, I thought about that and some of you probably have some ideas, but what came to my mind, well, when we see Jesus, of course, and, but I thought about that, everybody who's a Christian, when we see Jesus, my goodness, surely we're going to rejoice. I hope so. That when we see Jesus come back for his people. So I, I kind of kicked it around my head a little bit. And I thought, and, and this may not be correct, I'll be honest with you. But the conclusion I came to was, you know, if you go through this life and you never suffer and you never have a hardship and everything is just perfect for you all the time and you go to a place for eternity where there's no pain and there's no suffering, maybe you're just not going to enjoy it as much as those folks down here who they they struggled, they fought for to, for, to follow Christ. Uh, man, they had hardships in life. They had all kind of issues come up that they had to fight their way through with the grace of God. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to come back and all that stuff is gone for all eternity. I think that would make a person rejoice and be glad. Don't you? So man, you know, that's one good thing to look at about we who are the children of God, when we suffer, it is going to increase our rejoicing when Jesus comes back. The third thing, there are the same verses, if you are insulted, excuse me, when you're insulted, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. Do you get that? When somebody is verbally abusing you, when somebody is talking behind your back, when somebody is running you down because of the name of Christ, now I'm not talking about somebody's talking about you because you're acting like a jerk or you're being arrogant or anything like that or you're better than somebody. I'm talking about for the name of Christ. When you are living your life for Jesus, you're living your life, you, you want to in a way which brings honor to Him and which pleases Him, and then people insult you and, and they gossip about you and they backbite about you and all those things, God says, you are blessed. You know what that means? 
That means you don't have to fight back. You don't have to turn your tongue loose on those people. Because what they're doing to you is just getting you blessed by your Father. And we need to have that concept. Because the reaction of too many Christians is when somebody says something about them or does something verbally, they act out of their nature and they respond right back with their tongue and they look just like the old boy that's talking about them. You're not blessed in that. You're blessed when you suffer for the name of Christ. So he says, insult. And that's why I said earlier, I guarantee you this text is about every one of us in here because I guarantee you, if you... I think I can say I guarantee you. Because <laughs> I don't know all of you that well. But if you live your life as a child of God, you live your life with a passion to bring glory to Him, to say no to yourself and say yes to Him. And if you work with a bunch of unbelievers, more than one, because not one will never take you on, but more than one, I guarantee you, there are going to be people talking about you, backbiting about you and insulting you simply because you choose to live your life for Jesus Christ. So yeah, this scripture is about us. You know, I, I used to wrestle, I'll be honest with you, about 2 Timothy 3.12 where it says, all who desire to live godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. I used to read that and pray and say, God, please explain that verse to me. I said, you know, I, I think I'm wanting to live my life for you and I'm not being persecuted. Nobody's throwing rocks at me. Nobody's throwing sticks at me. Uh, you know, what's going on here? And then I began to look in the scriptures, and I've seen so many places where it talked about the verbal abuse of other people. And probably and the reality is that is the persecution that most of us sitting in this place today, if we are persecuted in any sense for our faith, that would be it. That unbelievers insult us, gossip about us, backbite about us. Now, brothers and sisters, God help us when it is people in the church who are doing those things about other people in the church. You know, if you have a tongue you can't control, you're acting like an unbeliever. And you're not bringing any honor to our Heavenly Father. So how is it possible for us to respond like this? How is it possible for Stephen to get stoned, well, of course, he looked up and he saw the glory of God. And he saw the Son standing at the right hand of the Father. How is it possible we read these guys in Fox Book of Martyrs and fire is going, their fingers are burning, and they're singing hymns to their Heavenly Father? How is it possible for a guy who's about to have the flame lit around him, and he tells the guy holding a torch, he says, put your thumb on my pulse, and if my pulse quickens when you light the fire, don't believe my message. How is that possible? This verse tells us how it's possible because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's the only way it's possible. There's no way that any of us could ever imagine that a person would have enough fortitude within themselves to be burned at a stake and seeing how great they are. There's just no way. But it's when the spirit of God rests upon you. And that is true of those of us who are sitting here today. What, what does that mean? And that's why I say it's true of those of us sitting here. One, and both of these could be true, and I agree with both of them. One is the Holy Spirit rests upon us to empower us to endure whatever it is that's coming against us. 
The second thing I would say about this is people insult us because they see the Spirit of God resting upon us. And that brings conviction in their life. Remember Daniel and those Old Testament saints? I was trying to remember their name this morning. There's three of them that at least that their life brought conviction upon those who were around them. Daniel was one. Noah was one. And just because of the life they lived, it brought persecution against them. It brought suffering into their life. How were they able to keep on? Because the Spirit of God rested upon them. Man, I tell you what, brothers and sisters, I, I read stuff like this, and I, I read those writings and stuff, and sometimes God brings some pretty good conviction on my heart, you know, and for the church today, when and I say the church in a very general sense, but when people gripe about the sanctuary being too warm or the seat's too hard or something not cleaned up somewhere or the sermon too long, uh, you know, or we gripe because someone didn't invite us to ice cream after services. I mean, boy, our suffering is so great, isn't it? I mean, compared, compared to what so many stand against. And, you know, God's word tells us how we're supposed to endure these things. And, and we need to be so careful that we allow, we allow little things to bug us. Shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way at all. When we come together to worship, it shouldn't matter if we have to fill somebody's arm against us because we're having to sit so close. That should thrill our hearts, you know? But we allow little things to get stirred up in our life and it robs us of those blessing and that joy that God wants in the lives of his children even during times of suffering. The third thing, and you bear with me today, I'm going to not go through all this, but I want to share the main points with you. The third thing is in verses 15 through 18, and that is examine ourselves when we suffer. We need to make sure that our suffering is not a result of our personal sin. Now, like I said, I believe all suffering can be traced back to that original sin in the garden, but that doesn't mean that our suffering is a result of our own personal sin. Okay? And there are people that believe that. We had a family come, or some people from the church come to our house down in Sealing, and I was down there for whatever reason, come up on the porch, and they wanted to pray for Mom, and Mom was in the last days of her life there, and they wanted to pray for her, and Dad said, sure, man, we love anybody to pray. But then they made a statement about her sin, her, her illness is because of her sin. It took us about that long to cut that conversation off and yeah. say that's it. Because it's just not true. But there is some suffering that's caused by our personal sin. And that's why when we suffer or when we have hardships, one of the first things we should do is go to God and say, God, am I going through this? Because of personal sin in my life. Am I, am I suffering this because I've done something or not done something that I should? We need to be honest before God. Now he, he lists some things here that I'm sure doesn't involve any of us. Murder, taking another life. Of course Jesus taught in Sermon on the Mount. If you hate someone, it's the same as murder. Thief, taking something that doesn't belong to you. Doing evil. Uh, that's a pretty broad statement there. Uh, anyway, and then meddler. Meddler is basically, this is the only place in the New Testament that this Greek word is used, and it's translated meddler in the ESV. And basically what it means is someone who is always interfering in the life of other people. Someone who is causing division in the life of other people. That is a meddler. 
He says, make sure that you don't suffer for being a meddler. And if you would think about that, a meddler could bring a lot of suffering into their life just from sticking their nose in everybody else's business. So he says, make sure you don't suffer for that, okay? And maybe that's why we don't get invited for ice cream. I don't know. But, uh, you know, so, so we, need to, we need to think through those things. We need to, to when, when this, temp, when this uh, trial comes into our life and this hardship or, or this suffering, man, we need to get before God and say, God, am, am I going through this because I have not been obedient to you? And if so, we need to go before God and we need to get on our knees and then we need to make a beeline for the cross of Christ and just have cleansing of that and get up and go on in our life. Sometimes we still pay the consequences for that. But we need to be honest with ourselves. Am I suffering because of sin? Or on the other side of that, am I suffering because of the way I'm living my life as a child of God? Look what he said there in verse 16. Don't be ashamed, but glorify God in that name. In other words... Don't be ashamed when people uh, bring trials in your life. Don't be ashamed when they talk about you and stab you in the back. Don't be ashamed if you're suffering for Christ. But continue to live your life in a way that coincides with the work and the ministry and the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. So examine ourselves when we suffer because if we suffer for Christ, we will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And three times he mentions glory. Once in the future where it is revealed. Once when we suffer. Or excuse me. Once when he rests upon us. There is the glory of God. And thirdly the glory of God. When we suffer as a Christian. Okay. So it's not so much what we suffer from. But it is how we go through suffering. That is the key. Do we go through suffering in a way which exalts our Lord? Or do we go through hardships and trials in a way which really doesn't bring any honor to Him at all? Now, I'm going to jump over a little bit here, but I really want to encourage you to go back and consider it where it talks about judgment, uh, being first at the house of God and then those who are the ungodly and sinners. pastor preached on that a few weeks ago, so hopefully you were here to, here to hear that. So I want to jump down to 19 where my last main point is because I think it's important that when we suffer, last but not least, we need to entrust our soul to a faithful creator. Entrust our soul to a faithful creator. I know there's something here that we don't like to hear sometimes. It's when we suffer according to God's will. Yeah, I, that's something we struggle with. That's something we have trouble sometimes bringing to an agreement on how in the world does suffering go along with God's will. But in some way, I assure you that it does. And it does because God is still sovereign. God is still God. God is still on his throne. Nothing comes into our life that does not pass through the hands of God's grace. So let those who suffer according to God's will do two things. And I'll close with these two things. One, entrust your soul to a faithful creator. And trust means to deposit something. It means when you deposit your values uh, with someone else for safekeeping. And you know those values are only as safe as the person you entrust them to. That's why you don't go to Shady Sam's and who works out of the back of his van and, and give them your life savings, right? 
You, you take those things and you entrust those things to someone that you know when you come back, it's still going to be there. That's the picture here. Entrust your soul to your faithful creator. Faithful because he is trustworthy. He is dependable. Creator because just with the word he spoke into existence everything and he continues to hold all things together. In other words, he is one that you can trust. Okay? What is the second thing? Do we just entrust our soul to God and, and then we sit on the couch at home or sit in our most comfortable chair and we just kind of sit and say, okay, God, you know, I'm going through this difficulty. I, I really wish I wasn't, but I understand that being a Christian hasn't exempted me from it, so I've got to go through it. So now I'm just going to wait and watch and see what you do, God. That's not it at all, is it? What's the last thing? You see it right there at the end of the verse. While doing good. You keep doing good. I've had people come to me and say, you know, Gary, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. It's a difficult thing. It's hard. It's hurting the family, da-da-da-da. And there's a lot of things that go with that. But one of the things I always tell them is keep doing what you know is right. Keep doing good. And that's what Peter says. He says, in the midst of your suffering, entrust your soul to a faithful creator. And then... Keep doing good. And Peter spoke on that five times, doing good. So it was something very important. See, brothers and sisters, suffering is not something that is absent from Christianity. In fact, when you think about our Savior, He is a suffering Savior. You cannot separate that. You cannot say Jesus is my savior, but he, or savior, but he didn't suffer. That doesn't work. He is a suffering savior. He is one that Isaiah 53 said had been beaten so bad, he did not even look like a man. He is our suffering savior. He took on our curse. He died for our sins. He, he died an undeserving death for undeserving people. But he died for us. And we cannot separate suffering from our Savior. And dear friends, with all my heart, it's just a, a biblical truth for me to say that you cannot separate suffering from being a child of God. You just can't do it. I wish I could. I wish I could stand before you today and say, come to the good life. You ever seen that book? You ever seen that book about get the good life? Underneath it's a picture of Stephen being stoned. You know? I wish I could say that to you. I will say this to you. When you come to Christ, you still may suffer. You may still go through hardships you wish you never would and your heart's jerked out sometimes and somebody stomps on it, it almost feels like. I would say to you in those times that you're not alone. That Christ is with you. He who died for you is with you. And God's word has so much instruction for us. This is just a little piece about how we can bring glory to God through our suffering. And if you're a child of God today, that is my desire for you. Because if you're not now, you probably will someday get into some kind of hardship 
some kind of struggle. And I just want you to be pleasing to God in that. And I'll tell you a little secret. And I know you're saying, Pastor, I wish you'd hurry up, man. But, but uh, I'll tell you a little secret. When you suffer as a Christian, the big difference, not only that Christ is with you, but the big difference is the spirit of glory rests upon you. Think about that. The spirit of glory rests upon you. He empowers you. Experience Bonnie talked about in suffering. You will experience that more than you ever will when times are good. I can almost guarantee you that. Let's bow together, shall we? Lord, you know our hearts today. You know our struggles, our pains, our suffering. God, you know there's been times in our life we have failed you miserably when we've gone through hardships. But Lord, you just kept loving us, kept pouring your mercy and grace out on us. Just growing us, bringing us to this place in our life that I would pray today that we have been reminded of or we have heard of some truths that when we go through times like this, Lord, we can honor you. We can please you through these times. And, and Lord, that is my desire for each of your children. God, I, my heart, my heart would just be, oh Lord, don't us, don't let us ever go through hardships. But God, we would be so weak if we never went through anything that caused us to strain, caused us to look to you in the midst of them. And Lord, I pray for individuals here that you've been dealing with them about their relationship with you. You've been dealing with them through their friends who have shared Christ and through TV programs and radios and books. And, and Lord, you've been calling them and opening their eyes to the truth of themselves and their need for Christ. And I pray today, Lord, that if there's those folks here that today, they would just surrender. They would say, yeah, Lord, you're right. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. Lord, I just pray that you have been blessed this morning. And it's in Christ's name I pray.